So we are turning to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew. Matthew, we're, we're going to go through first, at least, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew 5 with this section we call the Beatitudes. And uh, as you, if you look at the bulletin cover, uh, I sent Ben, my son Ben, who does all of our bulletin stuff, uh, my ideas for, for what I called a series on Beatitudes, and he came back with this cover design. He says, I need your titles for the next nine weeks. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Just in case you don't realize this, I usually revise my title. I send it out on Mondays, and I usually revise it by Friday. <laughs> in fact, the title we have on it today, I don't like. I, w- I would have changed it Thursday, uh, but it was already printed. <laughs> uh, so, so it's subject to change, but we are going to go week by week through the different Beatitudes, and, and uh, then we're going to go on to, to the rest of the the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching there in the Gospel of Matthew. So let's start with this. Raise your hand if you know the answer to this riddle. Don't spurt out the answer. Just raise your hand if you know the answer. By the way, before I ask the riddle, according to the people who say such things, and who knows if they're lying or telling the truth, 80% of kindergartners get this riddle, but 17% of Stanford students did. (laughs) So so it's it's one of those. Uh, That's your first clue. Think literally. (laughs) Okay? What is greater than God and worse than the devil, the poor have it, the rich need it, and if you eat it, you will die. Okay, so the hands who raised immediately, you know it because you know it. Okay, anybody figure it out? Bunch of Stanford students. (laughs) What's the obvious answer? Let's start with this. What is greater than God? Duh. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. But I'll I'll let you know that I got the answer by being told. Just you know. <laughs> so so there we go. So today we're going to start this series on the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, and we're going to start with some preliminaries and get them out of the way with a look at the purpose of the Beatitudes. By the way, that that riddle will t- play and come into play later on, uh, and what the word blessed means, because each one of these, blessed are, are the are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the gentle, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, and we better figure out what the word blessed means uh, before we do go too far. Uh, then we're going to look at the, the first beatitude, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, and figure out what it means to be poor of spirit and what it means to have the kingdom of God. Because this first, this first beatitude, this first of these blessings, is not first just randomly. It wasn't alphabetical. It wasn't numerically. It is the first for a reason. It is the key to understanding all of them. And and so we're going to hopefully get a good handle on this. First of all, the purpose of the Beatitudes. And and again, this this kind of ties in with the riddle because the answer is it's not complicated. Jesus is telling us who is blessed how you are blessed in God's sight. Uh, he's, he's, uh, people get complicated. They make all sorts. If you, the, the, sometimes I wonder why we have, we meaning pastors, have commentaries because I read them and I don't like anything they say. <laughs> uh, that, that's a lie. It's overstated. But, but they make the Beatitudes really complicated. They do all sorts of things with them and they, they talk about is this part of the law or is this part of the grace? Is this something for the church today, or is it something for the past? And they, and they do all sorts of things, and, and, and uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It's like, why are you doing that to this? It's, you're trying to make it something it never claims to be. Jesus sits down, and he tells you what kind of people are blessed. That's all he's doing is teaching who is blessed. Uh, no, no one was ever told that if you keep the Beatitudes, you will go to heaven. 
No one was ever told by keeping them you will earn your way to heaven. And sometimes people complicate them. I just say that in case you have, you have been to a church or been to teaching where they complicated this a lot and you find yourself saying, I don't know what to do with this. I'm telling you what to do with it. Read it and try to do it. It's really, you know, like I say, I'm not complicated. I'm a simple guy. I like simple, okay? So, so it, is, it is a list of attitudes and actions that God blesses. And, and so then you go, well, why is it called the Beatitudes anyway? And, and again, it's, it's, it's because somebody wanted to be impressive. Uh, I, the, so many things in, in, in theology and among scholars. Among scholars, they can't use simple words. It's impossible for them to use simple words. It's, it's genetically, they cannot do it. Uh, and, and so that's what goes on here. Uh, first of all, the word Beatitude has nothing to do with the word attitude, okay? And, and, and there's all sorts of cute po posters for little kids, the B-attitudes. And, and that's not bad because attitudes are an important part of this, but that's not what the word means, okay? Beatitude simply means blessing. And if we spoke normal English, if the scholars spoke normal English, instead of this being called the Beatitudes, it would be called the Blessings. And all of a sudden you go, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Why do they call it Beatitudes? Because that's the Latin word. And you go, well, what do we care about the Latin word? Well, somebody at one point did. It, it's like the Greek word. <laughs> the Greek word, though, is macaroi, ma ma macarioi, something like that. I'm thinking if it was that, we'd call it the macaronis. <laughs> Doesn't work too well, so I'll stick with beatitudes. The Latin word for blessing is beatus. So, by the way, uh, if you come across a lady named Beatrice, it means blessed or blessing. It's a nice name. Uh, tell her cool name. Uh, but what he's saying is God blesses people who think and feel and act this way. And so when we look at the blessings, it simply means that. But then what does the word blessed mean? And, and, and first of all, you hear how that's pronounced, blessed, right? Normally we see an ED, we say blessed. You know, he sneezed, I blessed him. I sneezed, you blessed me, and we have blessed. But this is not that. This is blessed, and that's intentional. Lynn Hernis taught me this, and I, I found out because I don't like to be taught by people, but I checked out, and she was right. So, Lynn, if you're watching, congratulations. Uh, you taught me something. Uh, she's, right now, she's looking at Knut and going, you see that? <laughs> see, I know, I know you. <laughs> okay, uh, it, it, is, it is an adjective. It is not a verb. It is an adjective. God looks with favor on the person who is, who is like this. It's like saying, hungry is the man who does not eat. Thirsty is the man who does not drink. Poor is the man who will not work. It, it's that kind of a thing. It is an adjective. It is put at the start because of the emphasis on the blessing. Because he could have easily said, said uh, the poor in spirit are blessed. It would have meant the same thing. But the emphasis on blessing would have been lost. And, and that's a common thing in language, in, in any language, but especially it's, it's in, in Greek, is they, they throw that first word out and they hand. And when we see it repeated, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the gentle, and his emphasis is on the blessing. God blesses these people. God wants to bless them, and the word order shows the importance. Okay, there's some more things we can get about this. One, for instance, is it is present tense. He's not talking about in the future you will be blessed if you are poor in spirit now. He says, blessed are. They are blessed right now. If you are poor in spirit, you are blessed right now. This isn't something you wait for. This isn't something you hope to see someday. He says, you are blessed right now. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the out, sometimes the outcome may be future. For instance, blessed are the meek. It's our third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for theirs is the king, uh, theirs, uh, they will inherit the earth. 
right? And that inheriting the earth is going to happen in the future, but they are blessed now because that future is certain. Okay, so, so we have that. Um, it's, it's present tense. It's happening now. Okay, more about the blessing. God's blessing is not a passive good feeling. It's like if, if, he, if God, for instance, again, you sneeze, I say bless you, okay? Did I actually do anything for you? Not a whole lot, right? I could have said Gesundheit would have done as much, right? Uh, it, it, it doesn't, it, unless God hears and blesses that, but if it's a reflex action. I'm not thinking, I'm not praying deeply for you. I'm sorry, no offense, but you sneeze and I say bless you. I did not just think deeply and wish God's best for you. I said something that's polite to say. Right? Uh, that, that, that's kind of what I did. And it's a Christian answer as opposed to, to Gesundheit, which just means, I think it means healthness uh, or wellness. It's, it's kind of, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to about leave that and walk on. Uh, blessing is not a passive goodwill. When, when God says, when it says blessed are, it's not saying uh, passive goodwill or God thinks nicely about you or something like that. It is, it is uh, an active blessing. God is doing something specific. He says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. Uh, he says things like that. They will inherit the earth. These, this, is, this is something that God is actively doing something about. These blessings bring results, right? It's not just a passive goodwill. It is God's uh, favor towards you in a way that shows benefit for you. It, it's not a, a feel-good statement. It is a do-good statement. And blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so those are the Beatitudes. That could be said at this, introducing any of the Beatitudes. I'm not going to repeat all this each week. You had it once and we're done. Let's move on to poor in spirit. And I want to say, I don't like the sound of poor in spirit. When I picture, picture the words poor in spirit, I picture someone with a crushed spirit, right? I, I, I see it, you see it really well in a dog that's been beaten, and it walks around, and it won't look up, and it might be snarly and growly, or it might just whimper and run away all the time, uh, and, and the dog's got a broken spirit, and you see it so well in a dog, but people get like that too. I picture someone with a broken spirit, someone who's defeated, someone who's fearful, someone who's hopeless. That's what I picture when I picture, hear the words poor in spirit you know, outside of the Bible, outside of knowing that, that it's got to be something good because God likes it. If it wasn't for that, I'd hear poor in spirit, and I would not like the phrase because it's, it brings up a picture that I don't like. I don't like the idea of broken, defeated people. Uh, but, but the good news is that's not what Jesus is advocating. I am confident that that is not what he's saying, that he likes us when we're broken and defeated and submissive to his will because we might as well be. We don't have any other hope. Uh, and, and so I, I use the word, I have, I have traditionally used the word humble to describe this word. The poor in the spirit are those who are humble, as opposed to those who are full of themselves, full of the spirit, and arrogant. And, and I've used that for a long time, and after working on this message, I've decided that's wrong. <laughs> so, you know, what can I say to that? You've got, it on, got that on tape, too. But, but it's not a false statement. The person who is poor in spirit is not full of himself, and he is humble. But I think what's going, it's kind of like saying blessed means happy. It's a shallow version of the fullness that is intended here. Uh, and so we're going to try to get into the fullness a little bit. Because the word poor, as in poor in spirit, the word poor means really poor. It's not saying, it's not saying kind of poor. You know, there's different words for poverty. 
Uh, you know, in English, we have lots of different words you can choose. In Greek, you have lots of different words they could choose. And, and, and there's words that, you know, there's a poor guy, you know, the, the, the poor but hardworking guy, you know, who you look at and you admire because he's working his way out of poverty or working his way out of a bad situation or something like that. He, he's poor, but he's admirable. That's not what this guy is. This is the guy who is poor and needy. The guy who is poor and cannot help himself. He, he is in a desperate kind of situation. This, this is not just poor, it is needy, it is destitute. The word for poverty here implies helplessness, okay? A helpless kind of poverty. Uh, this, is, this is the kind that, that you know, there's, there's, there's two categories of homeless. There's those people who are homeless because they have done things and they choose, live a lifestyle that they choose that makes them homeless. And there are people who are homeless because they are victims of what other people have done. Okay? This kind of needy is the person who is the victim of what someone else has done. It is that kind of, of poverty. So, so the person who is poor in spirit is spiritually bankrupt. Okay? He looks at himself and he says, I have nothing spiritually to offer. I have nothing that I can use to spiritually help myself. Blessed is the person who not, who, not who is spiritually bankrupt, but who recognizes he is spiritually. And I'm throwing in that word because it makes it make sense. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as opposed to the guy who thinks he's not poor in spirit. As opposed to the guy who thinks his spirit is just fine. Right? That guy who thinks his spirit is just fine is self-deceived. He, he, is, he is wrong. But the guy who is poor in spirit uh, says, says, I am spiritually bankrupt. I have a debt I cannot pay. That's why I choose the word bankrupt here. Uh, that, that I have a debt I cannot pay. I, I would pay it if I could. I've known honest people who've gone bankrupt, right? There, there are those who, who are abusing the system and swindling and cheating and, you know, those kind of bankrupt that gives bankruptcy a bad name. But I've known people who, who have gone, who honest people, hardworking people who've done their best but have gone bankrupt. They, they, they have become, something has happened, they come into a situation where they are literally unable to pay their debt and it is impossible. They, is, they cannot see a way out, they cannot pay their current bills, there is nothing they can do. They are this person, it is a debt you cannot pay and blessed is the person who recognizes he cannot pay his spiritual debts. Okay, For his is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses the person who realizes his spiritual poverty by giving him the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and you go, first of all, before we figure out what the kingdom of heaven is, we recognize something incredible. What God gives is so out of proportion <laughs> with our part of the deal, right? Uh, I recognize I'm need. God says, okay, I'll give you the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Will that help? <laughs> and you go, whoa. It's like, I just had a need there. I, I mean, it's like I, 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 100 bucks would have helped me out. You know? God doesn't give you 100 bucks to help you out of the hole. He gives you the kingdom of heaven. It, we, we, don't, we, we don't do anything but say, oops, I'm needy. And he says, here, let me give you the kingdom of heaven. And how do you even respond to that? Someone knocks at your door, uh, dirty, little bit of, remember I talked about B.O. last week? <laughs> little bit of B.O., not too bad. Knocks at your door. He's got this problem. He says, could you possibly help me? I, I just, I'm in trouble and I need a little help. And you say, come on in. Mi casa su casa. Come on, I've got dinners on. Have a seat there. Here's the remote. Okay, dads, 
I, I shouldn't say, I say, moms, can you see dad doing that? <laughs> Here's the remote. Put your feet up. Watch TV. Relax. We'll have dinner on. Anything. What else do you need? <laughs> right? Can, can you imagine that? Because it's like, part of me goes, I sh- maybe I should be like that, but the whole rest of me says, it ain't happening. <laughs> you know, I, I might help, I might not help. I, it's like, what's going on? I want to know all sorts of details. I want to know how this person's this way, why this that way. Why are they at my door? <laughs> you know, not at someone else's door. I want to know all those things. I'm just like, it's like, you want something out of my hand? You better pry these fingers open, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that's me, but that's not what God does. The blessing he gives is incredibly out of proportion with the statement, I am spiritually bankrupt. And he responds by giving the kingdom of heaven. We learn something here. We learn how completely God wants to bless us. And you know what was wrong with my story? Was that it was a stranger at the door. Right? Because let's say it's not a stranger. It's your long-lost son, your brother you haven't seen for a long time, or, or maybe a cousin, or, you know, whatever. It's someone you know. Maybe it's an old friend that you haven't seen for years. And, and what it is is, because when, when, when God, someone comes to God and says, I'm spiritually needy, they're not coming to him as a stranger. They're coming to him. This is the prodigal son story. There's, this is someone that God loves and wants to come in. He's been waiting for this. He's been wanting this person. It is his desire to bless us. It is his desire. We see God's love for us in this, in how quickly and how richly he wants to give us the greatest reward possible. The kingdom of heaven is ours. All we have to do is say, I have a need. He is eager. Uh, we have, he, he is uh, waiting to get his... He is waiting for the opportunity to give us this blessing. It's not like we come on him unexpectedly and are asking for something he doesn't want to give. It's something he's wanted to give all along. It's a blessing he's wanted to give, and he suddenly has the opportunity. I'd like to look to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7, and the first part of verse 8. I'm going to keep flipping back and forth past Ephesians both ways for a while. In him we have, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoing according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Which he lavished on us. Right? He, he didn't, he didn't kind of yeah, how much do you need? Um, okay, here's five bucks. He lavished on us the riches of his grace. Uh, pours out in abundance, yet generously gave more than enough. Far more than what we asked for. Far more than what we thought we needed. Far more than what we thought we could possibly get. His grace, his love which he lavished upon us. And the amazing thing we see here that we miss right off the bat, generally reading the Beatitudes, is that God, how much this first Beatitude shows God wants to bless us. He wants to do this for us. So let's finally answer the question, what is the kingdom of heaven? And I want to tell you something. First off, the kingdom of heaven is not heaven. You go, well, yeah, it is. No, it's not. Uh, heaven is something we will attain after we die. The kingdom, is something, kingdom of heaven is something we have right now. Uh, spiritual poverty 
I'll, I'll demonstrate the truth of that. I'm, I'm not just making that up. Uh, spiritual poverty reveals your need for Christ, and it's not the same thing as accepting Christ. So he's not saying, blessed are the, spiritual, the, 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 the poor in spirit, for they're saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's almost as if he's assuming salvation in, in what he speaks, who, who he's speaking to. We want to recognize something. At this point, he's speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to everybody. He's speaking to his disciples, and he's, he's giving them this criteria. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so he's not, he's not teaching that spiritual poverty saves you, but spiritual poverty is absolutely essential in being saved. You have to recognize your need. If you don't have a need for a Savior, you don't take a Savior. But when you recognize you have a need for a Savior, then you accept the Savior. The spiritually needy person will do that. The, spiritually, the person who doesn't recognize his spiritual need doesn't need him. He doesn't need Jesus. His is not the kingdom of heaven. It's not heaven at all. Okay, Heaven is our eternal reward. Heaven as our eternal reward is future. Um, the kingdom of God is present. Let me show you something in the Gospel of Luke. By the way, just so you know, uh, Luke is going to say the kingdom of God, whereas Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. Okay? That's, they're not talking about two different things. They just use different terms to describe the same things. Luke is consistent with kingdom of God. Matthew is consistent with kingdom of heaven. Okay? Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, say this. Now he, Jesus... Now, he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. So they asked him that exact question. Hey, uh, so you seem to think you know everything, buddy, because they're Pharisees. They're challenging him. They're not just asking him. You seem to think you know everybody. So when is the kingdom of God coming? And they're asking a question of the Messiah, right, about when he's going to install his kingdom, right? Because they have this view of the kingdom as something entirely different from what he's talking about. So, so they, asked, they asked him that question. Now, he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of heaven is in, is in your midst. But let's go back to tenses, present tense. The kingdom of heaven now is in your midst. Or if, if you have a different version of the Bible, it might say, is within you, right? The kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. It is here now among those who will receive it or who have received it. Uh, he, he, we have these different words. The kingdom of God, here, here, is, here is your definition of the kingdom of heaven that you can walk away with. The kingdom of God is anywhere where God reigns, Right? Where God reigns, there is the kingdom of heaven. So if God is reigning in your life, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And if God is not reigning in your life, then guess what? The kingdom of heaven is not within you because you are a rebellious outpost, right? Uh, and so you're one or the other. Uh, because I want, I want, it's funny, is you, I want to talk about reign for a minute. R-E-I-G-N, and not, not that stuff that keeps falling from the sky. Anybody, so, total worthless sidetrack, anybody say 
It's June, VBS is coming. Aren't we lucky we have our air conditioning now? <laughs> it's like, we're not gonna need it all summer long <laughs> this year. Uh, not that kind of rain that's been falling down. It's not the rains on a horse, it's the rain, the rule of God. I wanna talk about that for a minute because the, the, how, how often do you hear the rain of God or let God rain and it sounds, it's got a little, you got a little bit of a catch. I don't know if I want God to reign. I don't know if I want God to rule in my life or in my life. I don't want I don't need a new list of rules. And, and 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 we can start getting in trouble that way because we don't like that word reign. Uh, but first of all, the poor in spirit won't say that. The poor in spirit will say, I need something. And 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 if it's a list of rules, then I'll take that list of rules. But he's not giving us just a list of rules. Uh, you don't get a list of rules of the kingdom. You get also the benefits of the kingdom. Think about what are the benefits of the kingdom? I, I, I listed a few. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Right? You've if God reigns in your life, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven with all the benefits of a citizen of, of, of heaven. And not only a citizen, but a child of God when he reigns in your heart. You are forgiven. I'll be honest with you. I almost don't remember what it feels like to feel guilty not saying I don't feel guilty for things I do, but it's usually kind of small guilt. <laughs> but, but anybody who's ever walked around with a burden of guilt, if you are a citizen, if God is reigning in your life, if you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you are forgiven. You have eternal life. You have fellowship with God. You have access to God. You know what I do with a list like this when I'm at school? Because I'll tell the kids, what are the benefits of, being, uh, of God reigning in your life? And they look at me like this. So I say, okay, we're going to get into three teams. We get into three teams. I say, now, alphabetically, each one, come up with one. Anyone that the other ones have, it gets ruled out. You have to have one that other people don't have. And they go to town. And those same kids who sat there and went, huh? Come up with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, B, <laughs> of, the, of the kingdom of heaven, of the benefits. This is one of those kind of things. We start talking about the benefits of being uh, uh, in the kingdom of heaven. It, it is incredible. And the poor in spirit, those who are spiritually bankrupt, those who say, I have nothing to offer spiritual, they have room for the kingdom of heaven in their, in their heart. And we're not talking about, about something that takes up space. We're talking about who sits on the throne. Because who reigns in your life is who sits on the throne of your life, and that determines if you have the kingdom of heaven or not. And the spiritually bankrupt say, I have nothing to put on that throne. God, will you please sit on the throne? And the person who is not spiritually bankrupt says, you know what? I still have some things I want on that throne. I'm, I'm not ready to give up that throne yet. I like it. I want it. I want to keep it that person will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven. I'm not talking about heaven, because I want you to understand this. This is not something that's true just for unbelievers. This is not you're saved or you're not saved. If you're saved, you're on one side, you're not saved, you're on the other. You can be a believer and not have Jesus sitting on the throne in your life. I think we can all testify to that, that, that I can trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, but still have other things that, that uh, when it comes to push comes to shove, you know, we, I... <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with some of these songs we sing. 
You know, when I sing, I will sing with joy when it's hard. <laughs> That's a real bad paraphrase. <laughs> uh, I'm making a statement of commitment that I might not keep. If I had God on my throne properly, it wouldn't be a problem. But Steve keeps getting in there, you know, uh, in the way. You know, in uh, Matthew 6.24 is a famous verse. You'll, you, you don't have to look it up. You'll, 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 depending on the version of the Bible, it says different ways. This thing, it took me forever to find because it doesn't say mammon. It says wealth. I looked for mammon. I looked for money, and it was wealth. <laughs> the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, or the love of mammon is the root of all sorts of evil, or the love of, uh, or actually, that's, that's, I'm, go, I'm going from uh, 1 Timothy there, I think, but, but uh, this one says you cannot serve God and, and wealth. Is the way it says it in this version. Uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's true of other masters as well, right? Uh, the, 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 there, are, there are key temptations that people face, and, and money is one of them. Wealth is one of them. Power is another one. Fame is another one. Sex is another one, right? The things that get on our thrones and, and drive and control us and direct us. It, it's true of other masters. We cannot serve God and that master. There's only one throne, and only one person gets to sit on it, or one entity gets to sit on it, or, or one value gets to sit on it if it's, if it's money or something like that. Uh, the, the poor in spirit says, God, I need you on the throne. And the person who's not poor in spirit says, no, I, I'm really happy with my Dodge Charger on the throne. <laughs> sorry, Dion. <laughs> I'm not sorry. You know that. That was too much fun. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> the, there, there are things we, we place too much value. I'm not picking on you, honest. It just really feels like it. <laughs> Only one gets the throne. And when you get off the throne, then the kingdom of heaven can can be, God can be on the throne, and God can come in, okay? So theoretically, theoretically, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, he's ruling in your life right now. But the question is, is he really? Is he really? We easily crowd him back off, right? Uh, Romans 12.1, present your bodies a living sacrifice, uh, wholly acceptable, which is your reasonable worship, service of worship, okay? What's the problem with the sacrifice we put on the, the altar? It's a living sacrifice, and a living sacrifice does not want to stay on the altar. A living sacrifice squiggles off that altar as quick as it can. And we're all alive still, right? Uh, it's hard to keep God on. It's easy to crowd him off and let other things become more important to us. Remember, the only reason you're not bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. And, and here's the thing, is, is we, we, we come to Christ spiritually bankrupt, and then we're not bankrupt anymore. All our needs have been met. And we can come to forget that the reason we're not spiritually bankrupt is because of all that he's given us. And we can forget the source of all those blessings. Uh, submit to his rule. Let him be on the throne, and the kingdom of heaven will be yours. This is, this is, this is the key for all the Beatitudes. If you have this one, then the others can fall into place. And if you don't have this one, the others will not fall into place. They, they, they won't happen. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Be the poor in spirit. Let's pray. Father God, without you, we are spiritually bankrupt. 
And Lord, if there is anyone in this room today who recognizes that is their description, I pray that they would turn to you today to seek your blessing, to seek your forgiveness, to seek your restoration or your salvation, Father, to, to take you as the one who meets every need. Lord, for the rest of us, I ask that we don't crowd you off the throne, that we keep you there, that we commit to that, that we live for you. I pray in Jesus' name.